0: Hi folks, Dave here. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that we've teamed up with Audible.co.uk and we're offering you a free audiobook. All you have to do is register for a one-month free trial to claim your free audiobook, of which there are over 250,000 to choose from. It's a 30-day free trial. It means you can choose a free audiobook which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel that trial period or not. Free piece of advice? If you're going to try an audiobook, go for Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. Anyway, sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash Tech Talks. Back to the show. You're listening to Tech Talks with David Savage and Jack Pierce. This is the technology podcast that comes to you every Monday and Thursday for the love of tech. On today's show, we're talking to Refinery29 EVP, Kate Ward. uh, Chat all about their purpose and their mission and how important that is to Kate. And then we've got a news article all around regulation and putting control back in the hands of users, thanks to Alphabet. Hello, Jack.
1: Hello. Feels like a while. Or should I say yee-haw?
0: (laughs) how was your trip?
1: It was amazing. It was... It's been... I mean, I've been on lots of nice holidays before, but this has been uh, one of the best and one of the hardest to adapt getting back into work from. So it was just eating an incredible amount of unhealthy food, drinking an awful lot of alcohol, yeah. and dancing and singing a lot. So, yeah, my perfect holiday. Well,
0: look, the podcast has survived without you. I know. I'm surprised
1: that, you know, listenership hasn't dropped or, you know, people haven't been outside with... uh Placards Scythes and stuff like that. Picket line. Yeah, yeah picket line. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah no sides. Yeah, they're that <laughs> what, angry that I've not been here. Lots
0: of people dress as the Grim
1: Reaper. Yeah, yeah. Or
0: just doing some impromptu farming in Central London. Yeah. <laughs> um, had a really busy day yesterday. Go on. Went up to this CIO water cooler uh, event in Leeds.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Northern IT leaders. Really good, actually. To, you know, obviously we're based in London. We are. A lot of our guests are in London. Yep. But it is fun to get outside and go see some of the regional. Uh, leaders that we often have talked about with the likes of Rashore and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get this, uh, northern uh, the northern leaders. Uh, w- one of one of those northern leaders, rather, was the CIO for Northumbrian Water. Right, right, yep. Uh, they have an innovation festival. Wow. Yeah.
1: Who headlines that?
0: Uh, well, no, they got they got some pretty cool people uh, <laughs> yeah. along. They, they I, I I loved this. They got a comedian to teach them impromptu because they thought it might get them into the mindset of, of innovation.
1: That's a good idea. Yeah, isn't it? I yeah. thought that was quite cool. That is very cool. I think we need to get a comedian on to teach us how to improvise a bit better, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: But the, the CIO was like, let's have a summer festival. That's great. Because he loves summer festivals. Fortunately, they put it in Newcastle, which obviously has a fairly short window for summer festivals.
1: <laughs> One week in August. or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I can
0: say that because the majority. Yeah, yeah, but... yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I thought that was awesome. No, that sounds great. I
1: mean... Festivals are always fun, and yeah, there's not enough tech festivals, is there? I mean, you see, there's like WeWork festivals. That should, they do, should we should organize one. Maybe we should do Tech Talks Fest. Tech stock. Tech stock.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Anyway, on to the interview um, before we lose our audience. Yeah. Uh, Kate is our guest. Kate's the EVP of Refinery 29. Look, this is maybe not as tech mm. as some of our other interviews, but Refinery 29 is one of the largest digital platforms for women globally, so absolutely tech in that sense from an audience point of view. I hope you enjoy it. Do stay tuned. We do have a piece of news to follow, um, but here's Kate. So we're joined by Kate, Kate Ward. You are the MD of Refinery29 here in the UK and Europe.
2: I am the Executive Vice President. Executive Vice Head President. It's which is a ridiculous title, but yes. You I, wouldn't believe
0: the amount of times I get titles wrong at the beginning of this. this I, think,
2: I think titles are overrated. I... Um, I am in the lucky position of having launched Refinery29 outside the US, so call me what you will, um, but yeah, that's my that's my gig.
0: Now, hopefully, we've got lots of loyal listeners who remember that you were on the show at Unbound, but I'm going to kind of guess that whilst we might have those people, we may also have some new listeners, so it'd be really great if you could just set a bit of context and tell people who Refinery29 are. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Refinery29 are a media company for women. Um, we create content that inspires, progresses, represents and entertains women. Um, everything from articles and photography to video, podcasts. Um, we're reaching 425 million women a month across all of our channels globally. So I think if I was summing us up, I would say we are the voice of the most powerful generation of women ever. And. Uh, We are here to really fulfill our mission and kind of redefine what it is to be a new media company today.
0: So how did you get into this position? Because it's an incredibly exciting position to be in, having a a platform or a voice to talk to that many women and and influence in a positive way. But what's your background?
2: Me personally? Yes. So my background is very much not in the digital space. My background's in telly. Um, I worked for eight and a half years at a company called The Shine Group, which Mm -hmm. was Elizabeth Murdoch's production group, um, where I spent a lot of time doing everything from, well, originally selling TV shows uh, to Eastern Europe. That was my bag. And um, I then moved on to thinking about MasterChef and how we grow that as a, global franchise, Mm -hmm. um, worked across business development, very lucky at a time of significant consolidation in the TV production sector. Did some acquisitions, did some other interesting things. Um, Was there at a time when the Shine group exploded um, and we had global production companies all around the world. Uh, And then I was head of uh, business and strategy for Shine TV, which is the original production company and one of the largest independent UK producers. Um, and I got a call from a recruiter who said, I don't suppose you've heard of Refinery29. And the answer was, of course I have. I'm a huge fan. And the opportunity to make a move both into digital, but also to a brand that meant something to me was um, irresistible.
0: So you say there that you're a huge fan. How would you discover Refinery29?
2: I had worked when I was at Shine and spent 18 months living in LA, and oh. my pals there had introduced me to it. I mean, this was in 2009, so Refinery was relatively new. The business had been founded in the US in 2005, and by uh, four friends: Philip Lombori, Justin Safano, the co-CEOs and co-founders. Piera Gelardi, who's our executive creative director, and co-founder, and mm. Christine Bobrick, who's our global editor-in-chief and co-founder. And they'd founded the business in about 2005, and it had grown from them and really kind of took off, I guess, in 2009-2010 with a significant acceleration of audience. I joined the business um, in September 2015, so just about three years ago this month.
0: I might ask something incredibly naive here that shows me up in all sorts of ways, but why the need for a British or European site like when you go on your finding 29 it, you, you go onto the dot com and it's the american version you can select to go to the to the british version i would have assumed that a lot of the content that would go to the states would be applicable to audiences in europe maybe that's wrong
2: no you're right it, you're you're absolutely right um, i think you should really think about international expansion for us as creating a network of creatives and right. creativity and talent we create content in london that is shared with our team in Germany for the German edition, Um, but it's also shared with our U.S. team and Mm -hmm. vice versa. We um, publish a huge amount of content, um, curated it from the U.S. We also curate from our German team. But I think we also create content all over the world. We have this amazing video series called Style Out There, um, which is on um, Facebook Watch. We shot in Israel, we shot in Namibia, we shot in Amsterdam, we shot Mm -hmm. in Japan. So really... This isn't about necessarily bricks and mortar. This is about tapping into amazing voices, amazing storytelling and amazing talent, irrespective of geography. I think on a commercial level, we knew when we came to the UK that we had a massive opportunity. I mean, Refinery's business works with the world's best-known brands and they, they were really begging us to come and deliver them a kind of local commercial offering. So... I think it's not because global content doesn't work. I think it's a combination of finding new global content, mm-hmm. new voices, and delivering the partnership that our brand partners were really excited about.
0: As, as a brand, how tricky is it to work out what issues you should be talking about? I mean, you, you talked there about MasterChef. That's nice. You know straight away that you're talking to a particular type of audience. It's, it's probably, you know, they're sitting there having their dinner, they're, they're at home, they're relaxed, whatever but when you're talking to an audience as broad and as diverse as women in so many different locations, trying to work out what themes and agendas must be a challenge in itself.
2: It it is, and I think there are far cleverer people than me that that do that every day, And, and there's a reason why I'm not the editor. But I think it comes down to this. Refinery has always had a point of view that is about a marriage between what we like to call kind of heart and science. On the one hand, we have the brilliance and the editorial instincts, the relationships, the storytelling, the passion and purpose of our editors. Yeah, We also have amazing amounts of data and insight. Everything from understanding how a piece of content performs, how it can be optimized across different channels, what's the right time to publish it, where is the right audience for this story. And we really marry those two things. Mm. So we're arming our creative teams with really fantastic insights and really, really strong expertise in terms of content publishing, scheduling and programming so that both we can come up with the new stories, understand what people are interested in, harness all of those data points, social listening, all those skills to find new territory, but also importantly, to find the right platform to distribute the content that comes from the editorial genius. Mm. It's a really a marriage of the two.
0: You mentioned there about the right platforms and you, and you, you said earlier on in the interview that it's important to kind of build a, a new, or, or sorry, a modern media brand. Yeah. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, when I think about platforms, I think today it's no surprise that the most successful um, publishers, for want of a better word, are heavily distributed so you can have our audience on the refinery29.com mm-hmm. slash UK um, please tune in um, <laughs> but you can also find us in all these other touch points Snapchat, Discover, we were an original partner Facebook, Instagram and then going further, IGTV and stories and podcasts and I think there's this sense of distribution right, there's a question of we believe at Refinery that we want to be everywhere where she is I think diversification in terms of distribution has been a real hallmark of the kind of recent shifts in digital publishing. What I think is important is within that is those of us that are succeeding, and I I very much see refinery success because of this, is because of the strength of our brand. It's very, very important that our audience understand whether whatever platform they're on, they're in a refinery experience. That mission, the quality, the consistent visual identity, the consistent um, treatment of our content, of our editorial voice, irrespective of platform.
0: Now, that's an interesting point because you had a your first child, is it a year yes, ago? Yes. Yes. So you're yeah. a reasonably new mother. I am. And you say there that you want Refinery to be everywhere that she is, and mm-hmm. you mentioned Snap. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you make sure that that voice is consistent? Because the voice that you want to hear might be slightly different from, say, a teenage girl in her late teens who's on Snapchat. And and that must, to a certain degree, be challenging.
2: Sure. And I mean, look, I aspire to be as cool and as relevant as the, <laughs> our Snapchat audience. I, I
0: failed years ago. So. Um,
2: <laughs> but I think the point is this. You're, whether you come to refinery, whether you're a huge fan of us on Snapchat, yeah. or whether you're loving our Pinterest, or whether you're an absolutely dedicated follower of us on email. Mm. The content in all of those places is gonna be slightly different because the audience is gonna be different. But what underpins it all is the mission and the purpose of Refinery's brand, which is to help women feel, see, and claim their power. It's a brand that has purpose, that has vision, and it has consistency. Mm -hmm. It's uncompromising in delivering against that mission. And that is the same across all of our platforms. even if the type of content you might see is slightly different um i think going back to your point before about what is it today to be a a modern new media company i think it's about diversification Mm -hmm. diversification in terms of distribution as we've just talked about being everywhere your audience is but also in terms of how your brand how your mission is played out today we are we have podcasts we've just done the most amazing consumer products um launches in the US. We have an incredible events um, strategy and business in the US um, with our flagship event, 29 Rooms, which was in four cities this year. Um, We're moving into long form kind of TV type content um, and originals. We are thinking about how do we transition an article like Money Diaries into a format? And then now look, that's a published book. So this is really about finding new touch points, new ways to incubate great ideas, great talent, great stories, and bring them to the biggest possible audience in as many ways as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're doing uniquely well.
0: And look, it's it's clear from the way that you're talking that that purpose really is important. And I know that from talking to you previously and and reading up that Refinery29 were uh, a big part of the upskirting campaign. Looking forward over the next six months, you know, we're we're in National Inclusion Week at the moment, uh, at the point of recording anyway. Um, What's on the agenda, do you think, for you now? Are there any kind of key agenda topics, or is it... Does it not quite work like that?
2: No, I think it it definitely works like that. I think Refinery is a voice of optimism. It is also a voice of positive activism. Mm -hmm. We believe that we have a responsibility to challenge a convention, to um try and reflect the world that our audience want to see so our latest campaign which i'm really proud of is a campaign called your vagina's fine which uh, began with an undercover article calling um can one swear on this podcast yeah of course calling bullshit i'll do that on this very spurious process of vaginal rejuvenation which is where marketed to young women to have completely cosmetic Price. Pretty disgusting, um, pretty invasive procedures that they don't need that they can have done in their lunch break. That campaign, I think, shows the purpose of what we're trying to do, which is to find the issues that matter, to identify them, to create great content, and then to go deeper. So there is a recipe for building these kind of campaigns, there is a precedent, and it, just in the same way that we did with Upskirting, where we were very, very lucky to work with Gina Martin, who brought to us this story of. Um, this incident that happened to her, we were able to take her story and then create lots and lots of other stories, hearing mm. from lots of other women about things that had happened to them, about things that had happened to their friends, what it means, and eventually taking that up to the House of Commons. So, Your Vagina is Fine is a campaign that basically says to young women, these procedures, these products that you can buy to redefine your vagina are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, And are not medically proven. And and we want to challenge people to stop both um, marketing them to our audience. And to give them a voice to fight back against that.
0: Last quick point. You've obviously been very successful in growing um, a brand here in the UK and across Europe. uh, And finding an audience and a voice. If you're talking to other people who are interested in, in that same journey. What advice would you give them from the successes and mistakes that you've made?
2: Well, I think, first of all, I would say that whilst I um, was very lucky to be able to build um, refinery internationally as a, you know, as a complete startup, you know, literally no office, no staff, and now to big office and lots of staff, um, I was very, very much standing on the shoulders of A, um, our founders um, and our team in New York. So I would say the first piece of advice is pick great people to work with. Um, As I say, amazing founders and an amazing business. Um, But every single person that has come into our business has added to it in terms of culture, in terms of output, in terms of learnings. I think people are and remain the most important thing in any business. Um, Certainly is what I spend all my time thinking about. I think the second thing I'd say is that you really have to care a lot. I think you can probably hear from the passion with which I talk about refinery um, that it means a significant amount to me and that the purpose of what we're doing, the positive impact we can have on the lives Mm -hmm. of young women and the ways in which we can champion diversity, challenge convention and redefine media is very, very important to me personally. And that makes the long hours and the travel and everything else um, absolutely worth it. And I guess final piece of advice is simplicity has always been the key to my success, to be able to distill things simply, to be able to rally people around a few clear points. I think today's media landscape can look very complicated from the outside. And ultimately, it comes down to some very, very simple ideas. And the most simple idea for me is always, we are at the service of our audience. We don't take that for granted. So I let that be my guiding principle. And hopefully those around me feel the same. So that's, uh, yeah, that's my top three, I reckon. And like coffee, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, And a pub around the corner from the office.
0: Yeah, we haven't got a good one around the corner from ours, but never mind. You you, you need to find an office with a good pub around the corner. Good piece of advice. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time pleasure, and sharing with us. So, Jack. Yep. Um, I find Kate fascinating for many different reasons. Yeah. I know that you've got some notes from the from the interview. I mean,
1: yeah. Kate hammers home the point that we love to discuss, which is having true purpose. Yeah. Um, again, it's for the community that we do this sport. We know how important purpose is, and to have a wholly um, a solely purpose-driven platform. That um, and as she quotes is for the voice of the most powerful generation of women, is an amazing. Um, it's an amazing thing, essentially. Um, tr- to be driven as as much as she is to get this platform to where it is today has been a result of a lot of hard work and also a lot of you know user activity buying. You know, she's doing this for the good of the community. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I just think if I had the drive she had, maybe we could get something like that done as well. But she, yeah, yeah, really, um, really interesting uh, listen.
0: And, and very humble at the same time you know when I, when, I, when I made the point of growing an audience and what a remarkable job she's done and she talks obviously about building on the legacy well not legacy because it's incredibly current but you know, maybe maybe not best use of the word legacy but building on the, sh- on the shoulders of other yeah. people in the states yeah um, you know really really amazingly um, lovely actually to hear someone who is that influential in the industry yeah uh, who does talk at events yeah Just just be very straight about that.
1: I mean, on that point, I mean, that really reminded me that when you you posed the question to her, like, why is there a US version and a British version? And it reminded me of that age-old annoyance for myself that the English Netflix and the American Netflix is very different, whereby the US office is only on the American Netflix now, much to my distraught. But she she summed it up by saying, you know, talent is irrespective of geography. The big hitting items will be on both platforms in both locations. But obviously you want some more hyper-local examples. Like... For the British listener, i skirting,
0: obviously, exactly, in the British Parliament. Yeah. has been a big thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean, that's great. And then she she sort of closed it off by saying, um, well her point was around um, data and science and the marrying of them too, and being very important. And um, they've obviously got a huge editorial passion, but they're also using science and data to figure out when to post a certain article or a news story or you know whatever, and marrying those two, the passion and the science together. Um, but the bit that I love the most was right at the end of the interview. There, she said, "Today's media landscape is very complicated, and Refinery Twenty Nine sets out to wade through the swamp, if you will." And yeah. what better way to get away from the Daily Mail scaremongering and fake news environment that we live in than to go to one platform where everything is sorted by, you know, a slightly more liberal person's kind of yes. inputs, which is.
0: Great. I, and I love the fact that uh, they've been brave and successful in being able to adapt their voice to different platforms like, yeah. you know, like you, you're, you're suggesting yeah. there. Snap has obviously been successful for them yeah. and yet they're able to appeal to working mothers as well yeah. Yeah. which they're, is fantastic.
1: To, I mean, she talks about the diversification of new media and they've obviously done this on purpose but I don't know if they anticipate the success they'd have but to diversify geographically and, and hone in, like you say, onto specific voices in certain areas and specific pieces of content that appeal to certain geographies as well is a, a great thing. It mm. doesn't waste time as well.
0: Um, she also talks, obviously, as you've su- suggested there, about the fact that when she was asked whether or not she'd heard of Refinery29, she was a huge fan. She yeah. was already a follower. Again, it comes back to that point of, of really being committed to a cause and yeah. what a difference that makes to someone in the modern working environment.
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, they don't touch on culture much there, but you can only imagine their culture is really good. You know, because, people care. Yeah, people people care, care about the brand. Everyone's driven by passion for the brand and for what they're putting out content-wise. So, yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, how many people get a job that they've been following? or a couple, like, It's like me, I'd get a job working for Tesla, although I don't know if that's that desirable anymore after the recent You're scandals. getting a job for, for Arsenal. Me being signed up tomorrow by Unai Emery to play up front, it would be like that. It's I don't think happen.
0: it'd be as good as that. Oh,
1: I just want to add... Because
0: your, your, your dream would then go wrong in front of several thousand people.
1: Yeah, that's true. And my, you know, football family. Yeah. But I did just want to bring up one thing not related to this, because when I was away, Arsenal did beat Newcastle. So I just wanted to... Anyway, let's go to our <laughs> advert
0: break. Coming afterwards, we are talking about Google's Cyber Unit Jigsaw. Jack, I know it's a bit of a stretch, but just imagine you're running a business, OK? And you need to grow that business, and talent, as you know, costs a lot, mm. not to mention it being hard to find. Mm. If you could hire a software engineer for your business that probably has a terrible product, if your track record is anything to go by, <laughs> but it's trained specifically to your business needs for just around 24,000, would
1: you? Dave, that sounds like a bargain, and I think I would. I'm slightly insulted that you can't picture me running a business. <laughs> I know, it's
0: such a stretch, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, well, you'd be in luck because there is a new program that can deliver highly skilled developers, uh, way under the usual cost quota by recruiters. Mm. So why don't you prove me that you do have a little bit of business savvy acumen there and get in touch. Do you know what?
1: I'm going to,
0: if not just
1: to prove you wrong, but who do I drop a line to, Dave? How do I get in touch?
0: Easy, you simply email future-skills-programme at harveynash.com.
1: future-skills-programme at harveynash.com. Can they find me a new podcast co-host to replace you? Shut up.
0: Please. Welcome back to Tech Talks. It is time for the news. And today's news, Google's cyber unit jigsaw... Introduces Intra, a new security app dedicated to busting censorship. This is an article on TechCrunch by Zach Whitaker. Um, good. This is a good uh, Twitter handle, at Zach Whitaker. Easy. Yeah, very easy. easy. Even I can't screw that one up.
1: Can I just say the irony of like a sort of safeguarding app that will to help with censorship and stuff like that is called Jigsaw. When one of the most famous horror villains of recent times is called Jigsaw as well, who was not about protecting people. uh, And to be fair, he didn't censor anything either, did he, Jigsaw? So, yeah.
0: I find this interesting, right? If we we take the backdrop of regulation... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So, Jigsaw, just the opening paragraph. Jigsaw, the division owned by Google parent Alphabet, has revealed Intra, uh, a new app aimed at protecting users from state-sponsored censorship. Yeah. Right? We're in an age where we're questioning how capable large tech companies are at protecting their users yeah um, we all know about cambridge analytica it's only last week now that there was another leak on facebook yeah um, the public confidence in large tech companies to protect us is at an all-time low yeah we don't really have confidence in um the governments or states to protect yep. us yep. to a certain degree yes certainly more so than the large tech companies most people seem to think that the best way of regulating and protecting users online is is user driven yep and that that i do find interesting because what we've effectively got here is a bit of a hybrid yeah google are giving an app that allows a user to self regulate exactly and
1: you know like you say user uh user trust in tech large tech corporations is at an all-time low Yep. but i guarantee that most people would still say that that level is still higher than their drive for the government to censor stuff on our behalf you know you look at like the article mentions turkey that, that you go and set websites and it, it changes you and filters you and, and puts you to a fake website and things like that you know that would still for me be more annoying than a data leak of you know what bands I like being shared to other users or whatever you know yeah so I mean I think it's a great idea like you say putting the power almost in the user's hand is is a good thing um, I'm just a bit apprehensive that it's come or derived out of Google rather than I mean they are um, Jigsaw are a incubator style startup within Google but they're walls. part of Alphabet exactly so it's, it would be more trusting of them if it was almost like they bought the startup, that invented the app or whatever. Yeah, I mean,
0: let's be honest. Um, I am a big advocate of tech for good, but when you then see that Google are working with with states like China, where there are very restrictive, um, uh, obviously uh, national laws around what you can and can't access, you kind of question what Google have done to get access to that especially with, with them bringing in a social scoring system I mean they make the point here Jigsaw has already seen some success in part of the world where internet access is restricted or monitored the government in Venezuela reportedly uses DNS manipulation to prevent citizens from accessing news sites and social networks yeah. great Venezuela haven't got pots of money to give Google China have yeah like there yeah. is no there is an opacity here that is worrying
1: yeah yeah and I mean, yeah when Google and China sort of talked about that partnership it is going to worry you you know but it was almost, it's, it's almost as if, if Google hadn't done anything untrustworthy, then we wouldn't be thinking about it. But the, the way that these big brands are these days, it's, it's hard to trust them as much. But, again, I'll still say I trust them more than I trust our government.
0: Yes. Yes. And look, I, I don't think it's fair to, uh, on one hand, say users need more control and a seat at the table and then to turn around when someone like Google does try to do something that puts yeah. a bit more power in people's hands and, yeah. and, and go, oh, well, we don't trust them. Yeah. yeah. But there needs to be more transparency from the larger players and the technology organized. oh, sorry, the technology industry yeah. to get people back on side.
1: Yeah, it's going to take a, a, a lot as well, especially for the likes of Facebook, who seem to be like Teflon at the moment with all this stuff, but, you know. And they're just so big. I mean, yeah.
0: too big to fail, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. But are
0: they, you know? Um, uh, do we need an Ofcom uh, fit for the, digi- for the digital age perhaps?
1: Um, I mean what a job that would be for someone but yeah you don't know but then how far would that go yep. you know Ofcom censors a lot of TV programs or tries to or whatever we don't want that on the internet that's the beautiful thing about the
0: internet is that but we equally don't want a wild west where? that's yeah. unregulated where people are uh, yeah. easily manipulated and uh, extortion yeah. is, is rife potentially blockchain anyway it's an interesting debate it's certainly an interesting article go to TechCrunch read a little bit more about um, Jigsaw and Intra uh, what have we got coming up on the show for you on Monday we have an interview with Nicole Dezen uh, from Microsoft and Jesse from UKTN is going to be joining us for that
1: Trend friend of the pod
0: absolutely Jack any final thoughts now now that your homecoming is complete
1: now that I'm back well I'd like to thank Josie who stepped in um, admirably admirably she did a wonderful job yeah she did an alright job I guess but (laughs) um, but yeah no happy to be back and yeah I've missed everyone maybe even you a little bit thanks mate there you go